Welcome to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast, where we're going to be exploring above and below the surface. We'll take in a deep dive into the world of fishing, diving, and surfing. Every week, we're going to sit down with experts to learn more about them and get their freshest, hottest takes on all things salty. All right, everybody, welcome back to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. I'm your host, Kieran Anderson, and today we have Captain Rick. What's up, man? How's it going? Tell us hey, a little bit hey. about yourself Good and here, uh, where brother. are you from? I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana, and um, I'm the owner of Clear Vision Charters. Started it up uh, about three years ago, and we've just been pushing along. Things have gone very well since then. Starting to create the type of reputation that uh, is required to be a good charter captain in these parts. It's obviously a competitive business, but we're doing well. Nice, dude. And so did you grow up in Louisiana, or where'd you grow up? Right here in New Orleans, Louisiana. Right on the line between the 3rd Ward and the 17th Ward. Little spot we call Zion City in Uptown New Orleans. Nice. Yep, I'm right there from Murado Street. Cool. And you are you a Marine vet? I am. I am. Spent six years in the Marine Corps. No way. With First uh, Regiment and 11th Musop. Okay. So did you? Where Where were you stationed at? Uh, I was stationed in California, but as a part of 11th Musop, I went on uh, two Westpacs. Basically, you hop on the Navy ships and hang out with your ship shipmates for six months at a time. And uh, we traveled the world, did a little bit of everything. I was an intel guy, so I got to I got to see a lot. Uh, so you were near me. Where where in California were you? I'm in San Diego. At Camp Pendleton. Oh, so you were right yeah, next to me. Right next <laughs> to you, exactly. Well, yeah, that's awesome. And then uh, did you fish and stuff when you were over here? How, how did you get so into fishing? Because you have a charter now. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, growing up in New Orleans, it was kind of just a thing to do, right? It was me and my dad's go-to whenever we could find time off. Uh, my grandfather, uh, Big Daddy, we call him, he was a hunter. So I did a lot of hunting and a lot of fishing. And it's just a part of who we are. I look at some of the insurance prices and I recognize that uh, boats are normally considered recreational vehicles. And that's why insurance prices can be so high because folks don't get proficient at it if they don't do it often. But here in Louisiana, it's a way of life. I don't know very many people who don't own some type of boat or another. So everybody's fishing. Oh, yeah. There. Southern Louisiana has to be the fishing capital of the world. That's awesome. What kind of fish are you guys catching on daily? <laughs> Just anything. Uh, folks ask me that all the time. What are we going after? And all I do is get them out of the water, brother. Uh, we got plenty of redfish, plenty of speckled trout, plenty of sheep's head, black drum, uh, sail cat, um, channel cat. Uh, the list goes on. Uh, we got stingray, we got bass. And it's the wildest thing because this is probably one of the only places in the world where I can run out and catch sail cat, speckled trout, even black tip sharks, bull sharks in the saltier water and watch the dolphins jumping, make a half an hour <laughs> run north and catch bass and see alligators swimming in fresher water and catch channel cat there. That's amazing. Is the water, water's pretty warm there, isn't it? It's just like everywhere else. It's dependent on time of year. Uh, we do get some of those cold days where you can't feel your fingertips, but for the most part, we're, we're a tropical climate. That's awesome. Are you fishing every single day with your charter? Just about. Just about. I take my mom to church on Sundays, so I don't fish Sundays, but uh, I do have a couple other captains that are part of the fishing team, and they'll fish Sundays for me whenever we got charters on Sundays. So we're out just about uh, on a daily basis. Obviously, there's things we can't control, like you know uh, uh, the big hit we took for COVID and obviously the hit yeah. we take when hurricanes come through. How many people do you have working for you? Uh, two. 
Okay. So there's two captains under or with you. So there's three people total. Yes. Uh, so Captain Shane is a licensed captain and he's also uh, part of our Salt Life team. He's a Salt Life uh, uh, captain. Yeah. And then uh, Leslie Godet is my first mate. He runs with me every day. It just makes for a much, much uh, smoother day having someone on there who can not only control the boat when needed, but helps out uh, around the boat and can also do the videoing and picture taking so we get the content that we need. Keep you guys uh, smiling. I like it. You're fully uh, going at it. How how was that process getting your captain's license? Isn't that like pretty crazy? It is. It is. But it's just like everything else. You know, first you have a dream and then the dream becomes motivation. But in order, you know, to reach the thing you're motivated for, there has to be a certain amount of discipline. Right. And and that's what really takes you there. So I promise you it's not easy. But at the same time, it's so well spelled out that if your motivation is intact, and if your discipline is intact, you can get it done. So what w- what was that process like? Or how did you end up wanting to become a captain and start a charter? So I was living in uh, the D.C. metro area. I was on the Maryland side of the border and working cybersecurity, believe it or not. Uh, absolutely loved it. Did it for about 18 years. And being away from home started to weigh on my heart a little bit. My dad was getting older. So um, I decided I wanted to be closer to him, closer to family and take care of some of those family obligations that I have on this and moved back here. And it was almost the most natural fit. I'd worked so long attempting to be successful at something that I was good at, but not quite passionate about. So when I came back to New Orleans, I knew that uh, passion was what I wanted to, what I wanted to chase. Yeah. And you grew up fishing, doing the the boat thing. So it was kind of one of those, I'm going to do it kind of things. Right. Uh, There was never a question. There's obviously other things that I needed to do um, to make sure that the children were fed and the wife was happy until we could, until we could grow to this point. But um, yeah, it was, it was definitely the thing that I was going to do. So you, you do have kids? Yes. Yes. How old are they? My babies are 10, 12 and 14 and they are from a previous marriage. My wife's babies are 20, 22 and 24. So we have our little Brady bunch. Five boys and one girl right in the middle. I like that. Are they all into fishing? Do you take them out on the boat? Absolutely. And they're crazy about it. Uh, A little too crazy about it because they're still at that age where they're a little bit, a little bit reckless, tend to throw caution to the wind. (laughs) So are they just frothing out when they catch a fish, just screaming and yelling, woo, this is so sick. Yes, they're still at that point. And uh, and that's a great thing, right? That's a great thing. Um, I I still do that. One of the things my dad taught me growing up when we were fishing is make sure we get them out of the water before we measure them. I remember being hooked into a huge fish, at least in my little mind. Right. And, uh, as I'm screaming and yelling and telling dad to get the net, we got to grab this guy. He breaks off, goes on about his business. And dad told me, you know, let's make sure we get them out of water before we measure them. And that's kind of where my, uh, saying get them out of water was born. And I try to teach my children the same thing. It's the patience and the focus that's going to land fish, not the jumping up and down. Right. Yeah. So you so you're strictly inshore. Yes. Inshore fishing. Yes. Okay. Um with family and friends on a beautiful day in the summertime. I'll sneak out to the nearshore rig sometimes, specifically for the mangrove snapper and red snapper. Every now and again we'll see some cobia tailing, but uh when I charter fish, it's it's inshore. And do you guys do any fly fishing or anything like Absolutely. that? Absolutely. I'm like the fly fishing okay. dude. Um I'd prefer to fly fish than spin fish, believe it or not. There's obviously um a bigger, more comfortable boat when you're out spin fishing makes for a great day on the water. But fly fishing is my favorite way 
uh, to catch those big red fish. And I also fly fish up a lot of trout and sail cat in the summertime. It's a lot different than dropping a sinker rig or whatever like that. Like, I feel like fly fishing takes a lot of skill and effort. Patience. I think patience is the biggest thing. Patience. Yeah. You got to have some skill. You got to make some effort. But the truth is, um, my one gift is teaching. It's what I've loved and it's kind of, you know, what I was built to do. So most of the folks that jump on the boat and want to go fly fishing, you don't need a whole lot of experience. We'll take a half an hour and do a little bit of work. And most of the time, that's enough to get folks in the right position. Now, obviously, there's going to be some sidearm casts and some longer casts that they won't be able to make. But here in Louisiana, we don't have crystal clear water. We do most of our fly fishing in uh, semi-stained water. So oftentimes Hmm. when we see the fish, we're going to be within 20 feet of them anyhow. I feel like fly fishing is so fun too because it's like lighter action. So when you have a big fish on, it makes it feel so much bigger. Absolutely. I caught some steelhead up in in Oregon with my uncle and we were using a fly rod and I was just using a hot shot and just letting it kind of sit there. We caught like probably 12, 15 pounds steelhead all day long. Just the craziest fights because you're in rapids too in a drift boat. So they're so fun. Yeah, and that's what fly fishing is about. It's it's about the love of the sport. You know, we have six-hour charters, and we go out spin fishing. And if you don't try to sink the boat with fish, folks are unhappy sometimes. But fly fishing, we just put the boat on the water, troll it around, push-pull it around, and hunt up fish. And in those six hours, we may only present four or five flies. We may only hook into um, two, three fish. But that's what it's all about. It's about uh, the one, right? It's not necessarily about the numbers. It's about catching the one. Oh, yeah, for sure. Do you do you tie your own flies or do you buy, buy flies? I buy flies. I do have patience, but okay. tying flies is a full-time job uh, if you're doing it right. Yeah. Have you ever thought about getting into no. it? <laughs> no, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, I'm sure it's a lot of fun and I'm sure there will come a time as I get a little older and begin to slow down. You know, I don't have any pretense that I won't age, you know, so there will come a day when I'll need something to keep my hands busy and maybe not so many days in the sunshine. So what, what fish are you targeting with the, with the flies? Redfish, Louisiana redfish. Redfish. Uh, Absolutely. Yes, sir. And redfish only. Now during the summer, as I said, we have these pods of fish that'll travel together and they just absolutely move around all over Barataria Bay and they can't hide from us because the birds will tell on them. Um, And they're going to be speckled trout and sail cat. Sail cat is just about as hard a fighter as a redfish is. The biggest difference is rather than the side-to-side long runs, they um, make one long run and then dive down to the bottom. Once you get them up, they'll make another long run and dive down to the bottom. But they're absolutely powerful, and I love fly fishing those in the summertime. That sounds fun, actually. I like that. I like I like when fish make deep dives and stuff. Yes. And deep here in Louisiana, six and a half feet. Um, I heard you talking about sinker rigs. Um, I'm not even sure if I know how to put one together. Uh, we're generally going to either fish corks if we're spin fishing or we're going to fish 18 to 20 inches of water when we're fly fishing. Summertime fly fishing will be in about six and a half feet of water. And uh, we'll use intermediate, intermediate sinking line or full sinking line, depending on how much wave wave action we got. We got to get below those waves to catch fish, throw a bunny muddler on there and sink it down and snag them up. But deep is six and a half feet there. Yeah, that's a lot different than us. I mean, we're tracking tuna at 100 feet sometimes. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. But we're we're far out, though. That's the thing. Is like when we go fishing, like inshore fishing for us is good. Like there's a lot of rock fish and stuff. But And halibut, you can get halibut and everything. But 
when we want to go for the big stuff, we got to drop it down far. Unless you start seeing foamers of tuna, then you're throwing irons on top right. and Dorado and yellowtail. But that would be fun to come over there and fish and try that out. Cause I've never done, I've never, I don't think I've ever fished over there. Yeah. We'd love to have you. It sounds fun. How big is your boat you have? I have three. Um, oh, wow. You got three boats. Are they, pa- are they like always packed? Well, Captain Shane runs one. So usually two okay. of the three are, are, are running. So my spin fishing rig is a Camus 26 HP. And they're a pretty new make. Not a lot of folks have heard of them, but it is absolutely a go-getter. I love that boat. I call her uh, Toon Chaos. 26-footer, uh, 9-foot, 2-beam, I think. Nice, wide-beamy boat. Uh, Verado 300, 8-cylinder on back. Gives me about 52 mile an hour. And then I have a 20... Holy smokes. Yeah, for a 26-foot bay boat, that's that's cooking. Um, very rarely do I want all of it unless we're running from a storm, right? Uh, we have a 23-foot yeah. Nautic Star uh, 231 hybrid. And I love that boat as well because, again... It's one of those boats where when, when we have families, everybody's inside the boat instead of sitting up on top of the boat when we're running. Uh, got a Yamaha SHO 250 on the back of that one. Uh, she cooks out right at about 50, 51 miles an hour. And that's all depending on Jeez. wind and waves as well. And then I have a 20-foot custom-made flat boat. It's all aluminum with twin gator tails on the back, 240 horsepower gator tails. And we get about 36 miles an hour out of that one. I use it for fly fishing. It doesn't really lend itself to a lot of polling, but we do uh, jump down off that site platform and pole when we need to. Otherwise, we just use our Minkota and troll around to, to fly fish. So how does it work with your guests? Do they get to choose what boat they go on? Or if you're going specifically for fly fishing, you'll use that flat flat boat or like, how does that work? They're all interchangeable. Um, Captain Shane okay. in general is going to run the Nautic Star. I'm going to run the uh, Camus. Um, we both run the flat boat because we love, love, love it. And uh, oftentimes, even for spin fishing, we'll run the mud boat to get way back in the bayou where the redfish are congregating. Uh, when someone says, hey, we really want redfish. On the other hand, if they say, hey, we're really looking for speckled trout, um, we're going to be on a bay boat. Now, the yeah. flip side of that becomes when someone calls up and says, hey, I want to go fly fishing, um, but I want to do something different. I don't want to just pull around the marsh and sight cast and catch two, three fish. I want to get out there and, you know, do that summertime fly fishing that you become known for. I want to grab some speckled trout, some redfish, some sail cat. Uh, we actually just take the fly casting platform, pop it on the front of the big boat and roll. How big do the speckled trout get? That's one of those questions where, you know, we're all looking for the one. They have to be 12 inches to keep them. The, okay. the slot limit here is, well, we don't have a high end for that slot. The minimum here is 12 inches, and I've seen them go up to 21, 22 inches. Redfish, their slot is 16 inches to 27 inches. Same with black. Wow. Is redfish the most frequently caught fish for your guests? No. Um, There's just so many fish here that every day is going to have its own sequence. There have been days when redfish just were not cooperating. We get six or seven of them on the boat and uh, the bass are just everywhere, especially in the wintertime. They just won't stop biting. And it's just like, hey, if you enjoy green trout, we call them, let's just get them out of the water. And the same thing happens when we go trout fishing. There's sometimes that we're just bent on getting trout and we'll pull up to one of our uh, inshore wellheads or repeater stations. And rather than there being trout there, there'll be a school of sheephead there. We aren't going to leave them. We just get them out of the water. 
are you using live bait for those trout or do you have to use like spinners and stuff? Cause I know like when I'm on the river, I'm using spinners and flies the whole time. So clear visionaries don't beat me up for this one. The hardest thing in the world to do is to get a part-time fisherman to fish artificial bait exactly the way it needs to be fished on that day and in those conditions. So we always put our clients on live bait if we're not uh, fly fishing, unless there's a request to use artificial bait. And for myself, I use the Lawless lures. Lawless makes a three and a quarter inch uh, recoil minnow. And the recoil baits, it's a brand new category that Lawless came up with. And they've been pushing it now for a couple years. Uh, ran into those guys about three years ago and grabbed myself a couple. Loved it so much that I tried to find them again. And as luck would have it, <laughs> ran into them at uh, ICAST this year and got back uh, got back on board with them. And now I'm fishing strictly the lawless baits and they are just a fish go-getter. Do you travel a lot to go like to different events and stuff? We're going to start doing that again. I did it for a little bit, but found that um, I'm a little bit more of a people person. Yeah. And one of the things I enjoy most is the smiles, uh, the yells and jumping up and down that you talked about earlier. Um, seeing the look on someone's face when they think they're stuck on the bottom or hung on something, they pull up a five foot gar or five foot uh, bull shark. Um, yeah, those, those <laughs> are the so days. Rad. Yeah. Uh, we were out one day fishing speckled trout and I mean, every cast trout. Um, obviously, a lot of them were undersized and we were just catching and releasing on that day, but this guy just hangs into one that he just tells me, man, the world's never seen a speckled trout like this. It ended up being a Spanish mackerel. Yeah, and Jack Ravel. Wow. I've had Jack Ravel get hung on and take just as long to land as as a bull shark. Really? Oh my goodness. Yeah, on light tackle. Yeah, Jack. I feel like Jack or Jack are a very good fighting fish. Absolutely. I've caught I used to catch a bunch of those when I traveled to like Australia for surfing. We'd go fish and stuff, and holy smokes, those things are so fun to oh, catch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I've never ate one. I don't think I've ever ate it, but are they good eating? When right? they're smoked, um, what I find is that there's a little bit of oiliness to them once they're frozen, right? So if you are yeah. going to eat one, take just the one, get him filleted out and skinned out properly, soak him in whole milk for about four or five hours or maybe overnight, and then uh, put him on the smoker, cook him up to medium well or just about all the way done. I mean, once he's done, he's done. You don't want to dry him out. Uh, makes makes a real good fish. Otherwise, bake him down and mince him up a little bit and fix him just like you do tuna fish, chopped eggs, mayo, pickle relish. Oh, yeah. What's your favorite fish to eat? Sheep's head. That you catch. Sheep's head by far. Sheep's head. I mean, I mean, by a landslide, it's the sheep's head. It's just a flaky white meat. And any way you cook him, he'll eat. I mean, any way you hold him, he'll fit your mouth, I promise you. Um, and believe it or not, second would probably be the sail cat. <laughs> As the old folks say, it will make your tongue jump up and slap your brains out. <laughs> so is there a pretty big sheep set over there? They come in all sizes, and we don't have a slot for them. Yeah. I won't keep any that's less than 10 inches. But I've seen some really, really big ones, and I've seen some that were really tiny as well that end up being released. So we get them in all sizes. And of course, when I say really, really big ones, they're going to be right up there with the redfish, 20, 22 inches, you know. Um, yeah. Definitely larger than a trout. Because we have those here too, and they're they're amazing. Oh, yeah. Sheep's head are good. Oh, yeah. I love them. Oh, yeah. A lot of people here don't keep them because they're difficult to clean. 
But I've figured out that if you start from the back end and never cut through those rib bones, I can get through them pretty, pretty quickly. That's one thing uh, my wife always tells me. She's amazed how quickly I can turn fish into food. I like yeah. that. Do you, so when you're when you're doing your charters and people want to keep fish, do you fillet the fish for them? Or yes. do you usually like, okay, wow. Yes, our trips awesome. are all inclusive. Uh, we even cook up lunch for folks and take it out with us. Uh, we include bottled water. We include fish cleaning and we get it all packed for them as well. Dude, I got to come to a charter. That sounds so awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. We'd love to have you. That sounds awesome. And my wife, big shout out to her. When she cooks, she normally does our regular New Orleans style Cajun boil. So we'll have uh, sausage, corn, boiled eggs, and uh, potatoes. Oh, for lunch? Yep. That sounds so good. The customers are probably super excited too. They're all like, yeah, this is great. This is the best thing ever. It's been a hit. It's been a hit. Yeah. Do you use certain rods and reels? Yes. For fly fishing? I use the uh, cook and wash them fly rods hmm. and the cook and wash them rods are just amazing. Everybody else fishing redfish are up to nine, 10, 11 pounds. Some sometimes uh 12 weight rods. I just use an eight weight rod. I do line up to my scientific angler nine weight line so that I can cut wind a little better. We get plenty of windy days here and fly fishing in the wind is no fun. If you have uh, a line on there that, that doesn't have a, nice stout backbone to it, but you just take that eight weight cook and wash them rod line up to a nine weight, uh, scientific angler. And, you know, I do things a little bit different than some, I'll put my eight foot leader on if I'm using a floating line, but if I'm using a sinking line of any type, I just put on an 18 to 20 inch, 35 pound leader, um, FC 100. It's, it's fluorocarbon has just a little bit of stretch. Make sure that he doesn't take that hard run and pop you off. And I find with those sink tips um, that just having that shorter leader on them helps you turn those heavier flies over. Yeah. There's a lot of different leaders and stuff you can use for fly lines, right? Oh, a mountain of them. A mountain okay. of them. Because I'm not, I mean, I've fly fished before, but I've never, I'm not really into it. Like I, I want to learn, but like, cause you'll have flies that can sink, you have flies that float, right? Absolutely. There's, there's so much different stuff. Like some flies have beads on them. Some flies don't. And, so I, I need to start learning about all that stuff. You probably have it dialed in, but what? How many rod, How many fly rods do you usually bring with you when you go on a trip? I always bring three. I always bring three: two sink tip and one floating line. And to the fact that I have it dialed in, absolutely not. Um, I, I, I think like <laughs> one of one of the biggest advantages to being a Christian is that you know um, forgiveness is absolute. So I'm not afraid to I'm not afraid to make mistakes and. You know, I don't beat myself up too bad and I don't allow anyone else to beat me up too bad either. Right. I love that. That's so true. Yeah. But I'm, I make plenty of mistakes out there and you just got to oh, adjust and you got to figure it out as you go. Um, believe it or not, these huge redfish that we're catching in the fall, that their bellies are all swollen up and you're thinking to thinking to yourself, they must be eating six inch mullets. They're so big. Uh, you go to clean them and they've got these little inch and a half butter bean minnows in them. So, you know, what? Ab- I mean, they're engorged with them, little old inch and a wow. half butter bean minnows. So um, it, it's just kind of knowing your fish and 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 experimenting just a little bit and seeing what they are and aren't taking at any given time. Uh, in the springtime, the only thing we're going to use is uh, something that resembles a crab, a fly that resembles a crab. That's when we'll see our redfish tailing the most is in the springtime when they're rooting in the mud, digging up those little baby crabs. And, you know, when you clean them, that's the only thing they'll eat that time of year. So they've got it all figured out and we're all trying to figure it out. Right. Yeah. No, it's crazy. Fishing's so hard. 
it's funny because it's so hit and miss but it, like when they're on you're on but like you really gotta know your stuff and it sounds like you know your stuff i really do not know my stuff <laughs> but somehow it works out sometimes i don't know how it does but it works i would say the only thing that i can offer to that is do not fish spots um a lot of people who say oh it's hit and miss um, they also say things like, you know, you can't catch fish when the wind's blowing out of the West or can't catch fish on a full moon or, or an outgoing tide or an incoming tide. Truth is, I've never found that morning where I woke up and said to myself, it was too cold. The moon's too bright. The wind's blowing the wrong way. So yeah. I'm not going to eat today. And fish don't do that either. It's just that, um, they're going to do what's most comfortable for them. You know, we all wash our hands, pull up to the table and get real comfortable to eat and fish do the same thing. Uh, if the tide's out going and they don't and they are a breed of fish that doesn't want to be in a lot of moving water, they're going to tuck away back in the ponds. Uh, if they're a breed of fish that loves the moving water, they're going to go to where that moving water is. Um, they may be on beaten shores or lead shores, depending, again, on what breeds you're looking for and whether you're on the inside of the inshore or the outside. Because remember, it's all inshore fishing until we hit the Gulf, but I do a really, really large amount of my fishing on the northern edge of the Gulf, especially during the summertime. Um, so crossing Barataria Bay, which is about 12 and a half, 13 miles across, we catch a mountain of fish under birds during that time, you know, in wide open yeah. water. So um, don't misconstrue inshore fishing here in Louisiana as being tucked away under a cypress tree. It's not always that way. So when you guys find those birds, you're, you're on it. Cause that's like us over here. Like, for us, we get the tuna season. We start looking for these things called turnbird. And mm -hmm. once we see a bunch of turnbird diving in, we're like, oh, there's there's bait under there. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you see the tuna just start foaming and you're like, oh my goodness, let's go to that boil. Let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. And they just start popping up. And it's out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Like you said, it's not just a certain spot. It's out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And then it's funny you say turnbirds because what I've learned is when I've got gulls diving, that's generally going to be my sail cat. The unfortunate truth is we also have a catfish here called a hardhead cat. Um, they're not only not edible, but they're aggravating and just eat a lot of bait. Um, and they'll they'll, uh -huh. they'll move with the gulls as well. But when we have the little kites, it's a slightly smaller bird with a forked tail, uh, kind of a V in his tail and a black head. When yeah. you have kites, they're on speckled trout 99.9% .9 of the time. And another thing that you can notice when you're looking at them is the gulls. We'll have six, seven birds in a little pod and they're moving as they're hunting and diving. Whereas the yeah. uh, kites that are on trout, it'll be 20, 30 birds. They'll be in one very concentrated spot and they aren't going anywhere. You could run the boat right up to them and put an anchor down as opposed to trolling along with them. And those trout are going to stay there until they've decided they had enough and uh, start moving on. That's awesome. So, so are your boats on trailers or are they docked? They're all in sheds. So down at Myrtle Grove Marina, where we fish out of, uh, we have sheds and obviously they're they're in bad shape now after that hurricane, but uh, I keep them in the sheds oh, and the sheds are probably 400 yards from where we launch the boats. But always, always, you want to get them out of that salt water, get them cleaned up as good as you can and tuck them away out of the sun. I think the biggest killer of boats is, is probably uh, sunshine. It'll make your laminate start peeling and everything. Oh, yeah. What's your what's your process like cleaning everything up when you're done fishing? Is it is it a while or? You, you you probably have it pretty dialed in now to the point that it goes by quick. Yeah, I use Safe Floor on my boat. So Safe Floor, Louisiana, right up there in Covington, uh, does all my floors for me. And the Safe Floor product is made from recycled tires. And they epoxy oh, wow. it right down to the floors. You get to pick all your own colors and customize it 
uh, whichever way you choose. And uh, once they put that stuff down and get the epoxy going and it hardens for you, it will absolutely save your life on the cleanup. Uh, all we have to do for the cleanup process, grab yourself a five-gallon bucket, throw a little dishwashing liquid in it, give everything a real light rub, and then take it to the car wash and spray it down. It's it's all a 20-minute process. That sounds easy. That's not too like bad that. at all. Safe floor, like I said, um, it's just out of this world. So if you have clients that want to just go cruise around, not fish or anything, do you do that too? Do you offer that? All the time. So my buddy uh, owns a little restaurant in Lafitte called Booties uh, Cajun Restaurant, and they have amazing food. And Lafitte is our next door neighbor right across Bayou DuPont. If I spin it up high speed, I can get there in about 18 minutes. But when we're cruising, it takes probably about 40 minutes to get there. We take the big boat, put all the pads up front. You know, all these new boats come with plenty of great seating, right? You know, crank the radio up, get it hooked to the Bluetooth and, you know, just so go out and see the bayou, uh, see some of our alligators, uh, find some dolphins, sometimes uh, take plenty of pictures, um, get the libations flowing for anybody who chooses to bring them along and go over to Booties, get them parked up, let everybody grab some grub for about an hour and a half, and then we make our cruise back uh, Oftentimes we do these in the evening and of course the boat has underwater lighting and all kinds of pretty lighting. It'll set the right mood for sure. So it's like a little dinner cruise. I like that. That sounds fun. Exactly. That's awesome. When we're not dinner cruising uh, in the summertime, we do a lot of tubing. We live here. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. We live here on the bayou. I mean, That's literally awesome. uh, born and raised here type of thing. So the bayou is what we do. And our fishing slows way down in the summer, not because the fish have slowed down, because uh, lots of folks don't want to deal with the Louisiana heat. I was going to ask you, how hot does it get in the summertime? Yeah, it can get pretty bad. We get up in the mid-90s sometimes, but... And humid, right? Pretty humid. Pretty humid. Yeah. Humidity is one of those things. It comes and goes, but it definitely gets hot here. So I get lots of folks who want to come and do tubing, or uh, sometimes we host bachelor parties. You know, they'll come out. No way. That's so fun. Oh, yeah. You do it all. You guys are listening in. Go go hit up Captain Rick. He does it all. We like yeah, this guy. Bayou is what I do. Anything you want to do out there, uh, if we don't do it, we'll put you on the right folks. I have some really good friends that do bow fishing uh, because that's something that I don't offer. And I also have a few friends that have uh, the fan boats, the air boats, I should say, that go out and do things. Oh, those are so cool. And I got to give you my one last, um, and we're going to start it up this year. It's something I grew up doing with my uncle, uh, James Jr., uh, rabbit hunting. We do rabbit hunting out oh, in the bayou. Wow. When I was a little bitty boy, they taught me how to hunt by giving me a 410 side-by-side and two shells. And they'd say to me, if no yeah, way. Yeah, we'd pull up to the island, you kick all your hounds off, your beagle hounds off, and two or three guys go up to the other end of the island, park the boat, and kick off two or three guys. If I would come back with two rabbits, I'd get two more shells. If I came back with one rabbit, I'd get one more shell. If I came back with no rabbits, I had to clean rabbits for everybody for the rest of the day. And it weren't long before I figured it all out and became pretty good at rabbit hunting. That's awesome. My mom used to do that. Oh, yeah. She used to rabbit hunt and stuff with like 22s. Oh, yeah. Right around here, Generally too, like Calvary 20, Hills, I'm where, where I'm from. I, well, I live in Carlsbad, but Calvary Hills is up the street. But back in the day, you could shoot guns there and mess around and do whatever. And yeah, she would rabbit hunt. Crazy. Get frogs, frog legs. She said she would shoot frogs and stuff. I'm like, are you kidding? That's insane. That's awesome. And then mom's just like, nowadays she just cruises, but it's just funny to think about that. So generally with 22s, you would want to stalk hunt the rabbits. You kind of just walk along and kind of glass the area underneath the brush and bushes looking for the rabbits. And that takes a mighty, mighty 
big heap of skills. What we do is yeah. kick the hounds off and the hounds will go in there and jump them up and uh, take chase. So, you know, we just pop them off with 20 gauges as they come through. That's awesome. So I got to ask you, what's the most rewarding part of your job? You got it pretty good. It's fun. Yeah, the smiles. That's the only reason I do it is the smiles. Um, there's nobody here in Southern Louisiana, you know, who who, who has a um, ambition of becoming, you know, the world's next billionaire uh, fishing. It just doesn't yeah. kind of doesn't work like that because we can only do so many, so many trips a day. Um, and we've only got so many folks that are either running or running for us. So it really is about the love of the sport and um, the joy that folks take away from the yeah. sport. That's what I love the most. Yeah. The smiles, smiles make everything on. Uh, amen. I love that. That's awesome. So if, if, if somebody wanted to become a captain charter, what advice do you have for them? I think the best advice that I could give is um, recognize that it doesn't happen overnight. Recognize that it doesn't yeah. happen overnight. And like I said, um, ambition is great. Motivation is great. Um, but discipline is, is, is what wins. You know, um, the discipline to go to a spot that was your very favorite spot yesterday and to pass it up because the conditions don't look right today. Um, the discipline to get up. 3.30, 4 o'clock on those mornings when you don't have charters to get up out there and figure out what the fish have done and where they've gone. I mean, these fish have tails, and um, while some species aren't pelagic, they certainly migrate around the marsh or migrate around the bayou. And finding fish is not an easy job. Determining what areas you are and aren't going to fish is not an easy job. My wife, you know, calls it my spidey senses, but oftentimes I'll run – 15, 20 minutes um, to a completely different area because the area that I fished for the last few days and had a lot of success just doesn't look right to me. I won't even slow the boat down. Yeah. So let me ask you this. You guys just had a hurricane, right? Yes. How was your, your hometown affected by that and your charter? And I'm sorry to hear about that. That's crazy. Yeah, man. I appreciate you saying so, but um, Louisianians, you know, Southern Louisianians, especially we're resilient people. It's nothing we haven't yeah. been through before. Um, what's the effect? Yeah, you see it on TV. Um, rehashing it here, I don't think does it any justice. Just yesterday, I went out and I had uh, my first client since the hurricane uh, uh, on board. Mm -hmm. Lots of stuff uh, breaks down after those hurricane lodging, you know, can't be found. H hotels are all filled up with displaced families. So it's kind of hard to get back in the swing of things. And I went to places that I knew and knew very well, and they weren't the same. Uh, where I had a small yeah. cut going into an area with water flowing out of it, uh, the bayou had been torn up, and there was a big lake in there. You know what I mean? We got wow. big chunks of land floating around all, the, all all over the place. We call them flotons. We got uh, Lake Round is a huge lake, probably four miles, I would think, um, north to south. And, you know, big chunks of grass, 25 yards across, floating through the middle of the lake. Um, wow. It's tough. It's tough. But as I said, yeah. um, everything returns. You know, we've had we've had other hurricanes. Obviously, we have them on an annual basis. Uh, we've had oil spills um, that took us out of business for a while. And we find a way to come back from all of it. So you just keep your nose to the grindstone and don't allow yourself to get uh, dis discouraged by it. How, how did your boats get handled with that? Were they, are they pretty beat up? or So the insurance companies are clear. 
<laughs> you get them inside the levee walls, right? There are these chain levees all over uh, southern Louisiana that open and close whenever we're going to have a named storm event. And whenever they mm-hmm. name that storm and tell us it's headed to us, that's our cue to head down to those boat sheds, hitch them all up and get them all out of uh, out of that area and inside the levee walls. So all of them fared well. Toon Chaos, I parked in my mom's backyard over in Kenner. And a pecan tree from two yards away slung a couple of limbs and did some damage to it. So we did have to put a little claim on that one, but the other two were completely unscathed. Glad to hear that. Some 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 engine damage, some engine damage to the um to the storm cell, which is a 23-footer, the Nautic Star. Um, yeah. but again, that's all stuff we'll work through quickly. Yeah, that's good. I like to hear that. Captain Rick, what what's your craziest fishing story? Guess or your craziest fishing story or whatever. I want to hear it. Well, uh, I knew this one was coming and, and there tends to be so many. Um, but uh, the one I probably lean to most is when I was about 11 or 12 years old. We had a little place down in Venice. That's what me and my dad fished the most was Venice coming up. And we had a little place we called the police hole. And the reason we called the police hole is because on high tides you could get in there. But if you went in on a higher tide and you sat there too long and the tide went out on you, there's a sandbar that you'd have to just run as hard as you could and then trim up the engine and try to jump over. And if you didn't get all the way over, Are you oh, yeah, you had the push pole to get out of there. But in the police hole, what happens is when the tide comes in, redfish would pack in there. There was a little dam at the back of this little canal and uh, some, some hard bank uh, not far off the dam that we would fish. Well, we were in there one day and we just caught fish after fish after fish after fish and uh, – we end up filling up our fish cooler, dumping all of our Gatorade and Vienna sausage out of the lunch cooler and filling that up with fish. And uh, just about that time that we were wrapping it up, I got hooked into a really big red fish and we had been tugging on them so long that my arm uh, cramped up all through here and all through my forearm. And my forearm was so cramped that these two fingers, um, I couldn't move them and get them off the rod. So my dad scoops the fish out of water throws it on the floor and peels back my two fingers, massages the forearm until I could move. And uh, just as, as I get my fingers moving again, he says to me, I think that's enough, boy. <laughs> You're done oh, for yeah, the day. That'll do. Um, so we cranked up and got out of there. And sure enough, that was one of those days when we had to hit it and slide over the top of that uh, that that mud flat to get out of there. That, that, that was just like a, a crazy spot. Oh, yeah, that was just a real fun day. Um, and it's one I'll never forget. Yeah. So, so if people want to um, book a charter, how can they do that? If you have a website or. Absolutely. Clearvisioncharters.com is where you can find us. Obviously um, we're team salt life. So we always want you guys to go to the salt life website and on there, there's a captain's directory. If you go to that captain's directory and pull it up, you can just type in Rick and I'll be right there as well. Um, I've got Facebook, Instagram, and now YouTube. The YouTube is still in its infancy. So uh, we have some content there with me and Captain Shane. Not a whole heck of a lot, but it's growing fast. Um, so, yeah, uh, either that or just go to the website, look up number, give me a call. I'm pretty much always available if I'm not on the water trying to trying to get them out of water. Do you, do you have social media, Instagram or anything people can follow you Instagram on? Instagram and Facebook. Okay. what What's your Instagram? Clear Vision Charters? Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. And then, hey, hey, Rick, when did you get involved with uh, Salt Life? Forgot to ask you that. Uh, it's been a little over a year now. 
And um, I was always a huge fan, and I always wore a lot of Salt yeah. Life gear. And um, I just decided, you know what? I'm going to make a call. And I came home one day and uh, logged in and had an email from Salt Life saying, dude, we've been following what you're doing on Facebook and Instagram, and we love it. Um, how'd you like to be one of us? And at that time, I joined the captain's program, uh, stay faithful to it, and grew, as I said, uh, grew exponentially over that uh, year that I spent on the captain's well, So it's been two years then, because I spent a year on the captain's program and then became an ambassador. Uh, spent a year on the captain's program, grew exponentially, and moved into ambassadorship uh, last September. So it's it's a year to this month. That's awesome. Well, we're stoked to have you, Rick. Right uh, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Anytime, brother. Thanks for having me. All right, man. When, when I come over to Louisiana, I'm calling you. I got to come fishing with you. Absolutely. And we'll jam it out and uh, grab a little lunch over at Booties as well. That sounds like a plan. All right, man. Have a great day. You too, brother. Till I see you again. Get them out of water. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Real Salt Life. If you've enjoyed this podcast, rate and review us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast to help spread the word. Stay salty. Phew.